0: I want to read to you from God's word this morning while we're kind of thinking about it and everything. From Psalm 9, just a couple of verses. Real simple, but they are great. It says, the Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. you. For you, O Lord, have never abandoned, listen to this, you have never abandoned anyone who searches for you. And you know, that is a tremendous promise, isn't it? If you will search for him, God says, you'll find me. And I tell you this, I want to add one thing to that. God isn't playing hide and seek with anybody. If you're out searching for him, he'll show up, he'll stand right in front of you, and open his heart, his arms to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this Lord's Day. We thank you for the opportunity of coming into the house of God this morning. and we are anticipating, we are expecting the work of the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives and to touch our lives in, in extraordinary ways. Father, we believe that you have brought us here for divine purposes. You have brought us here because you want to, you want to indwell within us and, 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 and give us life and hope and blessing. And so, Father, I thank you today for each person. I thank you for your love that is extended into our lives. And so, Father, I pray, may your presence be extraordinarily real today as we worship you, as we hear from your word, as we fellowship together. Let this day be a day of unforgettable touch of God upon people's lives. We thank you in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Now, before you shake hands, I know you're all, see, I just changed that on purpose, just to trick you. I want you to, <laughs> while you're shaking hands, find a way to uh, fill out one of those uh, connection cards. If you're a guest with us this morning, we do want you to do that. And and uh, one other thing I want you to do, I, I don't know exactly who and all were here this morning. I know Mark was here, Willie was here. Paul, were you here this morning? I, I don't know, I wasn't sure. There could have been other people here that plowed out the, the parking lots. Give them a hand this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm so glad for these people. And when you see them after church, thank them. Would you do that? That's such a blessing. Wonderful to welcome those children into the, into the world. Would you turn in your Bibles this morning, please, to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, I'll begin reading in verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 12, the Bible says this Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to believers in the word, in conduct, in love, in spirit in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will have both yourself and those who hear you. Now, I recognize that Paul was addressing Timothy, a pastor. And you might, uh, in your initial reading, you might take a look at this and say, you know what, this is for a pastor. This does not apply to me. I believe you've you've got a double pathway of application here. This applies to us. This applies to every one of us in this room, myself included. We're talking about character. Godly character flows out of a devotion to God with your life, confirming that relationship to God. We can reverence God, we can worship God, but we will demonstrate our highest devotion to God when we live our life in devotion to God. I was thinking of uh, Billy Graham this week and his passing. I don't think anybody that I can think of right offhand that uh, that better exemplifies what I just said than his life—a life that is very well lived—and I believe a ministry that continues on after he's gone now. Character is important. Phillips Brooks, a renowned minister who was also a lecturer at Yale, about a hundred years ago made this statement as he defined the preparation for ministry and for life, he said, it is nothing less than the making of a person. He then went on to say that the great purpose of life was the shaping of the character of a person by the truth of God. He also added, he said, you can have training, you can have experience, you can have talent, you can have reputation, and all of these things, but if you do not have character, you do not have anything. Character is the foundation of our life. Character is what I would call, I would refer to it as literally the raw material of a Christian walk. And we are either building a temple or neglecting and becoming a trash heap. I think it's kind of interesting, and I should have done the research a little bit clearer on this, but Billy Graham and two other people began at the same time ministry that uh, that was taking on literally a national interest. These other two, Billy Graham went on, these other two were on, and in fact most people thought they're far better preachers than Billy Graham. And yet they neglected their life. They neglected who they were in their walk with God. They had become careless. They had become taken up in, with pride and with the success of the crowds and all of these things. And about 10, 12 years later, their lives were shipwrecked and their ministry literally gone. It was void. Evangelist Dwight Moody said, Character is what a man is in the dark. It is what we are when nobody is looking in the secret chambers of the heart. The eminent banker and financial wizard J.P. Morgan called character the best collateral a person could give. It's your character. Our text in, in verse, uh, verse 12 that I read first, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. You know, one of the difficulties <clears throat> Timothy faced <coughs> was that he pastored the church at Ephesus, which was a great church. It was founded by Paul, But Timothy was pastoring a church literally in the shadow of this great apostle. And many people have that habit of comparing Timothy to Paul. Paul casts a huge, long shadow. And uh, don't misunderstand when he says, don't despise your youth. Timothy wasn't some teenager. Uh, A lot of people feel he was probably in his late 30s or 40s. Yet compared with Paul, he uh, he was considered to be a, a young person. Character. Character is what <clears throat> character is what Jesus described in the Beatitudes and then went out and demonstrated it in his own ministry and his own life. It is character that surrounded the wonderful qual- uh, wonderful qualities of Paul's life that he went on to call the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's character that's the focus of the qualification of elders and deacons in 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to recognize our elders and deacons next Sunday morning in the morning church service. They're going to stand here. We're going to pray over them. I want the whole church to be ready to pray over them as as we just believe that God has given us spiritual leaders to guide our church in what I would consider turbulent times. Character. People with character are also people with integrity. Integrity means inner wholeness. That's literally what the word means, inner wholeness. And we're not trying to fool ourselves or fool other people. Character is Joseph saying no to Potiphar, no to Potiphar's wife, and then going on to going out, uh, being put in prison for being honest and being good. Let me tell you something, just a little thumbnail about Joseph. Joseph did not refuse Potter, Potiphar's wife, based on, if I do this, Potiphar will find out. He refused uh, Potiphar's wife's advances because he recognized, if I do this, I am going to sin and offend God. That was his reasoning. Character is Moses giving up the privileges of being an Egyptian prince to suffer the perils of a Jewish prophet. It's Jeremiah devoting his life to faithful service to God and to his people and yet seeing them die literally before his very eyes. It's Paul saying in Acts chapter 23 and verse 1 I lived in good conscience before God and before this day. <clears throat> it is Martin Luther standing trial. And stating, here I stand, I can do no other. God help me, amen. It is the missionary Jim Elliott, writing in his diary just hours before his martyrdom, he is no fool to give what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. Character is telling the truth when a lie would help you escape trouble Character is not cutting corners when you know somebody isn't going to inspect it. Character is living your life out for God and fearing only God and seeking only Him, no matter what others may say or do or how that may affect you in the long run. I don't believe there's anything more neglected today in our modern culture and our society than the issue of character, I thought about this this week as I just kind of ruminated on these uh, on my notes and everything, and I thought I don't know if I I, I wonder if I could be a politician. Not that I have a, really a great interest in that, because God did call me to that. But I thought character, where is the character in this thing? Character. And I'm afraid that today's standard places performance and success at a higher status than character. And that's a problem. There's a prevailing, <coughs> prevailing conviction today in America that character does not count for some other odd reason. And as I mentioned, it seems to me this has some truth in the uh, political arena the pollsters tell us that lifestyle and leadership are not related. But folks, nothing can be further from the truth. Lifestyle lifestyle, and character are truly related. And they cannot be separated. Just because of what I am on Sunday morning, I must be that on Sunday or, or, or on Monday morning or Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever day that might be. It's who I am. It's, it's what's in here. It's the integrity of our life. To a certain degree, we often hear the statement concerning the great character debate in this society. Well, I believe it's important for you to know there's no such thing as a character debate when it comes to serving God. God doesn't have that debate. God lays this out for us. This is his word, and his word tells us completely how we are to live and the expectations of our our life. When I look at verse 15 it says meditate on these things give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all that means people are going to see the gospel lived out in my daily life and in your daily life verse 16 says take heed in other words to watch your life take a take <clears throat> careful paying a <coughs> excuse me paying close attention to your life as to, as to how you are living it. Building character is a difficult process, and one that's going to involve all of the experiences of life. It's a cumulative work. Character doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen just because I hear a message on character on Sunday morning and says, OK, I'm going to develop character. That's a good decision, but your character is a cumulative work that 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 occurs over a period of time, a long period of time. Our character is strengthened during times of suffering and trial, when we have to totally depend on God and the grace of God to bring us through that season of difficulty. Character comes from discipline and devotion. It comes from courage and commitment. But I can tell you this, character is rarely built on solitude. And I need to say that because I think sometimes we feel like, if I could just, you know, I'm just going to get away from everybody and all of these other things. That's not how you build character. You build character in the midst of people. People become that sandpaper that sometimes rubs those rough edges off of our lives. We don't necessarily like that. And those experiences can be very unpleasant even. But it is that interaction with people. It is that interaction with the culture. It is that interaction with situations and events that come up in our lives that causes us to say, I need to make a decision about this based on character. And it helps us to grow. It helps us to be strengthened. And it helps us to see the work of God built in our life. Like a great cathedral character is built one day at a time, one stone at a time. And it's always done with patience and deliberation. Character, it's something that can deteriorate or even uh, be uh, there can be a destruction of character. But I want you to understand, please understand this about the destruction of character. It is not from the outside. It is an inside job. It's an inside job. Something on the inside deteriorates. Something on the inside begins to erode. Something is happening on the inside of, of my life or your life that causes character to become unstable. There is a subtle, slow drift from God. And then comes the sin. The sin is always small at first. It's, 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 it's minuscule. And we, we, we sort of tolerate it. We allow it. But sin never stays small. Sin never, never allows itself to be captured and, and corralled in a small place. Sin has the propensity to continue to grow, and as it does, it begins to consume the areas of our life and the areas of our character. Proverbs chapter four and verse 23 says, "Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. It's my heart." It's my heart that I keep with all diligence. Life is built on character, and character is built on decisions that we make. I decide about character. I make a decision about character. It's the daily decisions that we make, small and great, and each one becomes a a stone that we cement into the structure of, of our life. I think it's oftentimes it's tough to be confused, very difficult to be weary, to be spent, and to have to spend again. It's tough. But it takes character allow you to walk through that. That's what will get you on the other side. That's what will take you through the turbulence that life may be bringing into your into your situation. It's character. I've used this before, but I will tell you again, Charles Dickens, of course, the tale of two cities, he writes the beginning words of the tale of two cities is it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And I think of that often. I believe nothing could describe, as we move deeper into the 21st century, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. We see the worst. The media makes sure that we see all of the worst, but also there's some of the best, too. Because God opens up amazing doors, amazing doors that can bring people hope and opportunity and privilege, all kinds of things that can be happening. All these uh, days, they present for us, I think, open doors of ministry. It's in a culture where there's a growing emptiness of life, a deepening of despair, a disillusionment. uh, But a solid man or a solid woman of character can be the beacon who is the light of the world. It is the city set on the hilltop. And character is the key to it all, every bit of it. Paul told Timothy in verse 14, don't neglect the gift given by the laying on of hands. God gives us things in our life. And everything he gives to us, he gives with purpose. Not just that they become playthings for us. Things that we sort of hang up, and uh, like ribbons on the chest of a soldier. It's not that at all. They're given for purposes. I want to share an illustration as I close here this morning. I've, I think I shared this at one other time years ago, but I will share it again. It was tough for John G. Payton when he and his young wife left Britain for the New Hebrides Islands where there was no missionary. No voice of the gospel had gone there before. It was tough to hear the ship's captain, as he dropped them off, as he, as, as he let them go ashore, the ship's captain says, you people are just simply fools. You're wasting your life. You'll probably lose your life. It was tough to go ashore with no friends to meet them, no support network. Because these islands in those days were cannibal infested. They were islands where no white man had ever gone. It was tough when his wife gave birth and died, and the baby died also in childbirth. It was tough to sleep on the graves every night so the cannibals would not come to dig them up. It was not easy. But John Payton wrote in his journal years later as he was leaving the island to return home. He said, we came 30 years ago to the beat of cannibal drums. Today we leave to the sound of church bells. Character. Growth in character is always progressive. It always continues on. It doesn't stop. Even Paul realized this, and I want to read that passage in in, uh, Philippians chapter 3, where Paul says this. He says, Not that I've already attained or have already been perfected, but I press on so that I might lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There is a goal in front of us. And we haven't been perfected yet. It's still a process. I'd like to ask our worship team to return, if you would, please, at this time. And we're going, to, uh, we're going to do some praying here at the end. We've got a little bit of time. We want to do that. Spiritual progress. Folks, spiritual progress never stands still. Please understand this. This kind of spiritual progress that I'm talking about is not something that, you know, you get, have you ever been on one of those moving uh, walkways, like at an airport or something? They're pretty nice, actually. Because all you have to do is stand there. And away you go. You're moving along. Spiritual progress is not necessarily like that. We don't just stand on the spiritual walkway and think, okay, I'm going to actually get to my get to my desired destination down there. All I have to do is stand here. I don't know if this is a good illustration or not, but I always walk on those things. And I think, man, I'm speeding along on this thing. Look at these slow, pokey people here trying to walk. Folks, I, I just want you to understand something. <clears throat> if you stand still in your spiritual walk, if, you say, if you're saying today, you know what, I've arrived at a certain place, I'm very comfortable in this certain pr- place, please read again <clears throat> what Paul said, I press on. That's Paul talking there. That's not me talking, that's not you talking, that's Paul talking. If Paul says, I need to press on, so do I. Paul isn't saying, Look, I've kind of arrived at this nice spot here. I'm pretty comfortable about this, and, and I think I'm in pretty good shape, and people recognize me. I've got some character and all of this stuff. He says, No, I'm going to press on to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's awfully important, folks because I believe that we're living in an era that if we just say, I'm deciding to stand still, in essence, we're actually going backwards. We think we might be going forward. We might be going with the flow. I'm not just drifting this morning, and I don't want you as a congregation just to say, you know, I'm in pretty good shape. I'm just going to kind of go with the flow. I'm just going to drift along here. That's an awfully good way to just collide with stuff and go over the dam. Train yourself to be godly, Paul said. It's an athletic term. How many of you watched a little bit of the Olympics over the last 10 days? I, I, I watched a little bit of it. Joan watched all of it. She's really into curling. I'm not sure. I think I could probably handle that sport. But you know what? I watch some of those cross-country people. I've done some cross-country skiing. I did it in the military and, oof. And when you're loaded down with all kinds of stuff and everything, that's a a tough sport. And going uphill is a killer. And I watch these young athletes Go up the hills and go around the turns and all of this thing. I said, man, I'm telling you, you've got to be in shape to do this. You're gonna die. Me, one hill, dead. You don't have to call the MT, you call the call Dean Weishauer. Get the wagon up here. But you know what? They didn't get there, did they? Just because on February 10th, they said, hey, let's go cross-country ski and win a gold medal. Mm -hmm. Man, these people have been practicing and working and working and working endless days. It wears me out to think about that. You know, some of you have got a laugh that I think is just, you know, that wasn't really that funny. I think I'm (laughs) I think I'm standing up here, and you're looking at this guy. This guy, he's lucky to get to the back. His first stop is at the stack table. (laughs) Folks, in all seriousness, we've got to keep pressing on, don't we? We've got to keep pressing on. Let's make progress this week. Let's make some progress. Take some steps forward. Find out some ways in which God can help you to progress forward. If you do that, you'll be just amazed at what God will do. We're going to ask our prayer team. And by the way, we want to gather with our prayer team this week. We've got a bunch of people that we're working with, and we'd like to invite them to join us. In fact, they can come up here right now. We'd like to invite our elders also to join us. But we're working with a group of people that... uh, that we're going to utilize in some greater ways uh, in the the weeks ahead uh, to to really make prayer a more of a focused point in our churches. You can kind of just spread out all over this place here. And uh, we're going to be meeting Wednesday night at 6.30. We just feel like we need to give a little bit of instruction to some things uh, uh, pertinent to prayer. But the other thing is we invite you to come. Just as I am without one plea, that thy blood was shed for me. This isn't a time to hold back and say, you know, if I, if I walk up there, people are going to think something must be wrong with me. Well, that's not good thinking. That's not good thinking. I invite you to come up here. I invite you to ask people to pray for you. And any one of these persons, I don't care if it's an older person or some young people here, or, or whether it's Pastor Russ or, my, or anybody. It isn't who that is praying with you. It's what God is going to do as you agree together with him that he touch your life. You say, Pastor, I prayed for this need before and nothing's happened. Keep praying. The Bible says keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking doesn't say one and done. You keep at it. You keep at it. Last Sunday morning, we prayed for Gloria Beekman. Monday, I was in her room in Rochester. She looked rough. I'm told she's coming home tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to give God the glory for that. I'm going to give God the credit for that, for turning her on an extremely difficult situation in her life told that she's heading home tomorrow. So why don't you come right now? Just as I am. Why don't you come right now? We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. You just come. We just want to close this service, and I just want to, I just feel kind of prompted of the, I guess of the Lord to just bring up a thought here. Right at the close. It really, uh, it really comes right out of that passage of Philippians that, that I read just, um, probably 10 minutes ago. And just in the middle of a sentence here, really, it says this, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I'm very, very convinced that sometimes the work of God in our lives is short-circuited because of things in our past that we just will not let go of. It may be sinful events. Maybe I, I don't know what it could be. Just experiences and things like that that didn't turn out so well. Stuff that went wrong. And sometimes these things can just—they they can become—they they become like an anchor, and we can't seem to—and uh, we can not <coughs> we, we can only get so far, and then we kind of get pulled back to get stretched back and we're going to pray here forgetting the past I, I'm convinced that that's a gift I really am it's a gift and I'm just going to pray that God will release his gift of forgetting the, the stuff that may be dragging you down Father, I pray in the name of Jesus this morning. I pray for the people that we have prayed for at the front of this church today that absolutely every need, every desire is going to be fully met in Jesus Christ. Father, we look forward to hearing the reports of victory of answered prayer. Father, there's one thing else that we bring before you, and that is the forgetting of the things of the past, things that drag us down, things that things that hinder us, things that cause us sometimes even to stumble ourselves. Father, help us to have what I call that gift of forgetfulness of the, of the stuff that has attached itself to our life that simply doesn't belong anymore. That sometimes even puts a shroud over our character. Makes it hard to see. So Father, I pray for people today that perhaps areas of their life that they're even thinking of right now, help them to forget, to set it aside, and then press on. Press on. Press on to the things that God will give to us. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Let's lift our hands for the blessing of God. Let's do it together. Father, may the Lord bless and keep your people. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. We thank you for that great grace that lifts us above the, 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 the things of this world and helps us to see the blessing and the glories of God. Cause your face to shine into our lives and then be totally reflected in our character and our love for others. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.